Hello, Rich Bolas here, and thank you for downloading this episode of the Dad Mindset Show. Before we get going, I just want to check in and see how you're doing today. How's everything going? Are you hanging in there on this wild parenting journey? I know it's super tough, and uh, sometimes it's just nice to take stock and, and see where you're at. Anyway, hopefully today's guest, Craig Wilkinson, can provide a little bit of inspiration for you. Craig is a best-selling South African author, award-winning social entrepreneur, and dad coach. Through his non-profit organization, Father a Nation, which is based on the belief that if we can heal men, we can heal the world, he and his team have done so much to help improve the lives of tens of thousands of children right across South Africa. I hope you really enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Craig Wilkinson, it's so good to see you again. How have you been? Fantastic, Rich. It's great to see you again. Good to be here. Been very well. Thank you. No, it's it's great to finally get you on the show. Now, um, now you're a father, a best-selling author, speaker, and coach. Craig, can you tell us how it all started for you? Wow. Well, I mean, being a father, as you know, changes your life, doesn't it? Completely. They don't come with a with a manual. Um, but I ended up being a single dad, you know, unfortunately through divorce. Um, uh, and uh, just saw the, the, the crucial importance of fatherhood and, and the impact that fathers had on their lives. And uh, uh, I think I shared the story with you before. I had an incident with my daughter. She was two and a half years old, and she needed a, an operation on her heart to close off a, wall, a hole in one of the walls of her, of, of her heart. And uh, I asked the surgeon if I could take her into theater with me, you know, because it's a very scary place. You know, you're this little two, two and a half year old girl. And he kindly allowed me to, and I, and I you know, allowed me to carry her into theater and actually put the, the mask over her face as she fell asleep. And then I handed her over for the surgery. And, and luckily with technology now, it's, you know, instead of open heart surgery, it's just a catheter that goes up into the, the heart and closes it up. Uh, so it was a great success and a, and a, a you know, relatively minor op. Um, and, uh, but a month later, we were at my house having a, uh, an outside cookout with some, some friends. And my daughter was standing next to me on the, on the grass. And one of my mates looked down at her and said, Life, that's her name. I believe you were in hospital recently. And uh, she looked up at him and she said, yes. She said, my heart was broken. And then she said, but my daddy fixed it. <laughs> and I tell you, Richard, it, 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 I mean, uh, whoa. I mean, the tears sprung up. I had to excuse myself from the gathering <laughs> to regain my masculine, <laughs> my masculine image, you know. And, uh, but it was such an incredible gift she gave me. She gave me the gift of seeing myself through her eyes. And uh, I realized that, I was everything, you know, I was a hero. I was the man who fixed her heart. And even though I didn't, uh, and I realized that in many ways I did hold her heart in my hands and, and how I would pitch up as a father to her and how I'd pitch up as a father to her brother would have a huge impact on her life. And, uh, and that started a journey, you know, because I had to ask myself, am I that guy? You know, am I this hero? And the answer was in some ways, yes. In some ways, there's a lot of work to be done. Yeah. And that's when I realized that, uh, Fatherhood's a parallel journey. You know, we can learn fathering techniques and, and you know all those things about disciplining and all that. But really, your greatest fathering tool is yourself as a man and your life, and, uh, and that's this parallel journey of becoming the man that they need you to be at the same time as learning how to be a father. Uh, so that was kind of how it started. Yeah, and you've been incredibly busy since. I mean, just looking at the accolades and and just just the work that you've put into this. I mean, it started off obviously um, early on. Was it the books that came first? Yeah, well, I mean, so there was a long gap then. You know, then I was just working as a normal dude, you know. But my, when, I, when my son turned 18, he wrote me a letter. 
And it said, you know, it started off by saying, Dear Dad, I just want to thank you for being my best friend, my brother, but most of, most of all and most importantly, my dad. Another tearjerker. And, and he wrote a beautiful long letter. And that, that inspired me to write a book. So the book came first. And, and then um, and, uh, the nonprofit organization uh, came shortly thereafter because we, I, just think we were, I was doing a lot of work in communities and just realized that you know, poverty in South Africa is a huge issue. There's a lot of stuff we're dealing with. But probably one of the, uh, the biggest issues internationally uh, and particularly here is fatherlessness. And so the nonprofit organization came out of that, you know, Father a Nation, it's called. And we just thought, if we can heal men and restore them to be good fathers, mentors, role models, we can heal the world. And, and I still believe that to this day. Yeah. And so how do you actually go about that with Father a Nation? Well, a number of different programs. You know, I mean, uh, so the books were written on fatherhood. The first one was for existing fathers. The other one was for um, expectant fathers. And then... I began to just see in South Africa the, the issue, the incidence of gender-based violence is huge. I know it happens internationally, and it's often not talked about. You know, abuse at home and, and men beating wives, and, but it's massive here. And uh, just began to look at the reasons why why it's happening, and and so we put in place a lot of different programs, um, college workshops, uh, soccer and sport-related programs because guys love sport. You know, you can get them around sport. I don't, and you, you have a unique sport in, in Australia, footy, you know, uh, rugby's big here, cricket's big here, <laughs> and there, you know, but it's sports a big thing for guys. So, uh, programs around sports. Um, we have a couple of online courses uh, for men. We do, we do what we call conversations in communities where we get facilitated conversations by men, uh, for men, you know, where men can have a safe platform to talk and also can learn about what it means to be a good man because, you know, there's a lot of, confusion and doubt in the world now about, about masculinity and, and, and what it means to be a man. So a variety of different programs we run through, through the, the non-profit. Yeah, and uh, that's a really uh, interesting point because, you know, you, you, you bring up the, the, the subject of masculinity. What in your mind is positive masculinity? Yeah, po- positive masculinity is, you know, there are a number, I, I've, I've written a little booklet called the six pack of masculine virtues and and uh, it just outlines what i believe are the six major major components the first one is is uh, it, true masculinity uses its strength for good you know men have strengths you know our physical strength is greater than than the average woman's strength and there's no dispute about that but in addition to physical strength one one has a variety of different strengths that that you can have you know verbal you know your words matter economic what do you do with your money uh, your psychological, any relationship you're in uh, as as a person, you you have an influence over the person you're in a relationship with because they care for you. So the key attribute, the first one for me, is how do you use your strength? Do you use it? Um, do you fail to use it? Do you fail to step up when you need to? When your voice is needed? When your presence is needed? You know that's a passivity. Uh, someone once beautifully said that the opposite of masculinity is not femininity; it's passivity because yeah. you're not designed to be passive as men. But uh, so passivity is one way you can use a trick. You can fail to use it or you can misuse it. You can, you know, be the kind of guy who never, can never say I'm sorry, the kind of guy who always has to be right, dominates, you know, and, and that can turn into abuse. Or you can be a man who says, you know, whatever strength I have, physical, emotional, psychological, economic, verbal, I'm going to use that for good. And I, I think that's the first quality of, of positive masculinity, usually how you use your strength. So it's not how big your bank balance is, how big your muscles are, uh, how much power you have. It's what do you do with it, you know, that makes a man a good man. The second thing is is how do you how do you value yourself as a man? You know, we 
uh, we often judge ourselves by the externalities, you know, the car we drive, the money we have, the woman on our arms, the, the, the school our kids go to. But true masculinity says, you know, I'm going to judge myself not by that, but by my character, what's inside, you know, not the size of my bank balance, but the size of my heart, and my character. You know, do I have a set of values and do I stick to those values no matter what? You know, am I a person of compassion? And the, the third quality I think is um, absolutely crucial is, um, is, is building a band of brothers. Um, you know, a lot of us as men are, are lonely. You know, we go it alone. We, we don't share. We're not vulnerable. I mean, suicide rates are much higher amongst men than women. And one of the reasons we don't share, we're not vulnerable. We don't have a, a, a band of brothers around us that we can really be accountable to, that can hold us, you know, can sharpen us, that can be there when we really need them, and that, that we can be open and honest with, you know, um, and, and really share, share our lives with. And, and, and that doesn't have to be a big group. But uh, when we start going it alone, the problems start because there's no mirrors to point out uh, stuff where we're screwing up and there's also no sounding board and there's also no one to, to share our, our deep struggles with. The fourth quality is, is he tends his fields. You know, it's a sort of an agricultural example. You know, every man has a field and in that field is, is, are all his responsibilities, you know, his financial resources, the people in his life, his roles, responsibilities. And true masculinity says, you know what? I'm going to make sure that whatever is in my field is well taken care of, is nurtured, cared for. Whatever responsibilities I have, I'm going to fulfill those. You know, so it's tending your fields 100%. You know, being at home instead of be, when you need to be at home instead of being in the pub. You know, it's it's that kind of just taking, yeah. stepping up and taking responsibility. Um, the fifth one is um, mentoring the next generation. You know, uh, boys particularly look look to older men to model what it means to be a man. And in the absence of good role modeling, what do they do? They, they default to, you know, the gangster on the street corner or the, the rap artist who's surrounding himself with, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, you know. So boys need to look to older men to, to mentor them into masculinity. It's an impartation. So true masculine is about living a life that's worth following, you know, mentoring the next generation. And the final quality, you know, uh, without being too long-winded, is, um, is he makes the world a better place. And uh, I love that one because... We have the power to make the world a better place. You know, someone once said that every uh, father is the architect of his own home, and and as architects of our home, what what kind of environment are we building? You know, is our wife a far better woman because we're in her life? You know, or is she blossoming and flourishing, and, and are we bringing out the best in her, or, or, or are we critical and, and demeaning? And you know, are our kids the best? Are our mates? The, you know, better because we're in their lives is, uh, you know, is our country better? You know, you can take it to that degree because we're a citizen of that country, you know, our workplace. So it's about making the world a better place. And, and I think, you know, if every man just decided, let's, let's do the, the six pack, you know, we'd live in a really good world. Yeah. I couldn't agree more, Craig. And it's really interesting, especially, I mean, some of those things resonate really deeply with me. I think the one that jumps out straight away is the the the, the band of brothers, you know, the the they're almost like the brains trust of of guys that are the, like the trusted um cohort that you hang out with. And and I've heard you talk about it in the past like it's almost like a um a positive version of a gang. You know, imagine if there's a gang of good guys going out doing good stuff in a community in a mo in in a way that is not sort of hidden behind closed doors and, and people actually start to see that um happening and 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 I think that's what 
um, seems to be happening with Father Nation. And I mean, this is a massive program, isn't it? Like just looking from the outside in, I, how many? Can you give me some of the numbers of how many people you've actually engaged with so far and helped? Well, I mean, it's not anywhere near the size I'd like it to be. You know, we we we're all going to scale up enormously. I mean, we've in a, in various forms, we've probably encountered uh, about one hundred twenty thousand men over the last four years. Uh, some very superficially, you know, just in meetings where we chat. Some very deeply in conversations. Some also in camps. We also run camps where we take men away. But uh, we're really trusting that it'll grow and grow and grow, you know, and and, and take on a life of its own, where, where men just begin to carry the message to other men in their communities. Yeah, I was wondering, Craig, what are the what are the usual sort of what's the usual timeline of that it takes an average guy to sort of come around to this idea is there a other themes and patterns that you recognize in in new groups that you engage with father and nation look the, the groups we engage deeply with and i do this in corporates as well um when facilitated properly um within two to three sessions you can get start getting quite deep because you know one of the things we do is we get men to tell their stories uh, not not just the story of you know where, where they went to school and you know their father's name and their you know, favorite soccer team, but you know real stuff. You know what what are your greatest challenges? What are your greatest disappointments? You know what hurt you the most? You know that kind of. And once a man starts telling his story, because let's be honest, we don't have platforms where that happens. You know that doesn't happen in the pub, doesn't happen in the sports field. You know uh, um, we start to see men getting quite um, going quite deep quite quickly. So uh, one of the programs we run is an eight week program. And by the end of the eight weeks, the guys are really close and they're really bonded and they're really sad to see the program come to an end, you know. But um, for some men, it, it doesn't happen easily at all because they're just used to being the dude, the man, the macho, you know, the guy that, uh, you know, has got no issues and no worries and no problems and, you know, uh, and he's not vulnerable in any way, you know. So that, um, so some guys, it won't happen. Some guys are a lot quicker. Uh, so it, 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 I don't think there's a standard, you know, in terms of us uh, as guys. We, we're taught to be strong, aren't we? We're taught to, you know, big boys don't cry. Yeah, and it's interesting how I think um, certainly for for uh, you know women, it's it seems to be much easier for them to be in in groups and and sharing on a much deeper level. And for guys, it's something that's completely alien. It certainly was for me, and it, it's not something. Yeah. It's something that not until recently. It's actually started to to come about, and and it's it's quite. I mean, I find it liberating, but it, it's it's shocking how it's taken me forty odd yeah. years to actually start <laughs> start peeling back the masks and and you know right. feeling that I can actually you know talk to people in a in just an open way and and not yeah. without judgment and um, yeah. uh, but it's so it's so much easier like it's exhausting trying to keep up a front <laughs> and keep up appearances yeah. like oh yeah. man you know it's it, it, if i think that would be some of the advice i'd give myself like just you 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 are you you are good enough as you are you don't have to put on a front and you don't have to try and you know, show off to people to try and get their approval. You know, it's you just just show up as you, and and it Absolutely. sounds like that's a lot of what the programs are really helping. Certainly, the younger guys as well, which is amazing. Yeah. Well, I think there's a lot of. I mean, you're 100 percent right. I mean, us as guys don't open up easily. We, I mean, you know, vulnerability is actually a strength. Um, it really is. I mean, if you ask me how am I doing, 
it's much easier to say I'm great, you know, than to say to you which I'm really struggling, you know. <laughs> that was my it's, default it's, it for about 42 years. <laughs> <laughs> I'm great, no matter what's going on inside, you know. But of course, as men, and, and I love, you know, if you look at the different the archetypes of masculinity, you know, the, the king, the lover, the friend, and the, I forget the other one, but it's uh, you, you, the warrior, the warrior, faces. Uh, yeah. the warrior, the warrior. We need all of those faces, don't we? You know, there, there are times when it's not okay to to be vulnerable and, and crying. You know, there are times when when you need to step up for the family, no matter what's going on inside you. you but there are other times when it's very appropriate to say, "Gee, I'm really battling. I'm struggling. I need help here." You know, and I recently had a shoulder operation, and uh, it was one of the toughest things I've ever been through because I had to. Uh, uh, I couldn't even shower myself. My wife had to help me shower. One of, my, one of my mates, and I had the sling on, my one of my mates said, well, keep the sling on, man. That's a, that's a bonus. You know, your wife's showering you. But uh, <laughs> the point is, it was bloody difficult, you know. You, you realize it's so hard to be dependent as a, as a dude, as a guy. You know, you yeah. want to be able to have it all together. But when you're able to, firstly, people in your life are able to give you a whole lot more, and they, and they love to be able to do that often. And secondly, as you say, it's just, it's just a, um, it's a lot safer and less tiring because you can just totally be real and be you and be who you are. And I think it would save a lot of lives. You know, I, I've I've had um, a very close mate take his own life, and at the funeral we were we were chatting. His mates were chatting about it, and we said, you know, we all asked him, "Did you know his name was Pete? Did you know that Pete was going through this?" And none of us knew. And none of us knew. And, and had we known, Pete would quite possibly still be alive today. You know, and, and so I think it's so crucial that we are able to do that, but not lose the warrior. Don't lose the king and the warrior. Yeah. You know? uh, but 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 be able to be the the lover and the gentle friend. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> and I suppose with um like the with society as it is, it feels like there was definitely a time in the past where the the warrior was like required, you know, 90% of the time, you know, there's so much yeah. more emphasis on that. And then we've swung to this much safer time. But we we just haven't updated. The, we we haven't addressed the balance. And, and like you say, there are still those situations where you absolutely need that character. So it's really like, can you change gears? Can you swap out? Because yeah. I think it it feels like you you almost like build your identity around one of those things. It's it, we we're very bad as humans to deal in nuance, and and certainly we tend to be very binary. I'm this or this. You know, there's no there's no spectrum. Whereas it's almost like the I like the maybe Maybe like De Bono hats. It's like, okay, so what hat do I have to wear today? Oh yeah, I've got to wear this hat now. And you, you, you know, you with your kids, so you put this hat on, and oh, I'm on the footy field, so I put that hat on, and uh, you know, coaching yeah. the the footy team, or whatever. Yeah, that hat. Um, maybe that's more of what we've got to get better at: this ability to change gears and and step into a different version of ourselves, and not be, you know, just one size fits all. Exactly, and you know, ultimately, at the end of the day, it's the same man. It's the same human being that's multifaceted. Uh, I, I think this either or mentality is very silly because you know you are you've got this soft, sensitive, kind, nice guy type. And to be honest, that kind of person uh, is theoretically appealing to a woman, I think. But at the end of the day, they want that all the time. They want a guy that can be dangerous and tough and strong and stand up for them, and, you know, and take decisions and take the lead when needed, you know. But they also want they don't want a macho guy that can never be soft and tender and real and, and cry. Uh, so I think as men, we're designed to be both, uh, and it, and it's, it is situational, you know, um, and it's wonderful. I, I, you know, I, yeah, let, let me be vulnerable. You know, one time I was watching a movie with my daughter years ago and, uh, it was a very moving movie and I, and I had tears in my eyes and my little girl, I don't know, she must've been 12. She said, dad, are you crying? She wasn't and crying, said, was she? Yeah. 
yeah, I don't have that point she was made. She probably found something else yet. But it was so nice to say yes, but they're not sad tears, you know. They are moved by this, you know. And, yeah. and, and so when they see that in you, it, I think it's a beautiful thing. Um, so to be able to show all these different sides of us, I think it's fantastic. And to be the man that you need to be at the particular time, whatever's appropriate at that particular time, you know. Yeah, that's right. And and to not cover it up with a lie. Oh yeah, just uh, no. yeah, I've been chopping yeah. some onions. Or, yeah, yeah, the, exactly. the classic exactly. sort of cover, cover. Look over there. Oh. <laughs> now, um, exactly uh, talking earlier about switching gears, I, I definitely want to bring up. So, in 2019, so you received the GQ South African Humanitarian Man of the Year award. Can you tell us a bit about that? Well, Richard, uh, look, uh, mixed feelings. It, it was a complete surprise out of the blue. I mean, I had no idea it was coming. And it, it was really just for the work we've been doing in, in communities with men. Um, South Africa, as I said earlier, is, is quite a wounded nation, <laughs> as is pretty obvious to look from the outside as well. And so a lot of gender-based violence, a lot of men really struggling. I mean, we had, hashtag, we had a hashtag, hashtag men are trash, you know, as it was kind of backlash against gender-based violence. So, uh, you know, all the work we've been doing obviously came to someone's attention and they invited, uh, you know, I was honoured to get the award. But those awards, it's, it's like it's like a Miss, Miss Anything Award, Miss Victoria, Miss, you know, Miss Australia. It's, it's never the most, you know, the person who gets it is beautiful, but they're not necessarily the most beautiful person in the world. There's so many others. They just happen to be on the stage at the time and be selected and say the right things, you know. So, I, you know, those kind of awards are fantastic, but they're also – there's so many great men doing so many great things, you know. Um, yeah. Uh, that, uh, it, it's, it's about all of us stepping together, banding together and doing it. And certainly the teams that work with you to actually deliver those workshops and so on. But yeah. I suppose getting an award like that actually gives you the platform to actually spread the word further. And so there's a use in that sense. But obviously you don't want to be the, you know, it's not it's not about you, which is <laughs> really pleasant yeah. to see. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it does. You're right. I mean, recently I was on a webinar with Sia Polisi, you know, who's the – captain of our rugby team, you know, and, and it was with GQ. And uh, so it happened. So it does definitely create a platform and open opportunities. Yeah. yeah. So what's next for Father and Nation? Well, we just want to grow our programs. You know, we found the most impactful programs we run are camps for men, where we go every weekend and we just have a lot of fun, outdoor, pretty adventurous activities and, and deep chats. So we want to grow that. We want to grow the conversations. Those are really working well in poor community, communities around the country. Um, and, you know, being a nonprofit, it's funder-driven. Uh, so we, we, we're just pushing to raise funds to do that. Uh, on, on the personal front, uh, I'm busy working on the next um, book and online course for divorced dads, you know, called Divorced Dads. There's just not a lot, not a lot of stuff out there for divorced dads. And, and tragically, a lot of dads who are divorced, um, drift away from the kids over time. You know, it just becomes so difficult. And also, you get uh, you know, divorced couples where one partner is using the kids as a as a weapon to, yeah. to you know to to manipulate, and that's tragic. So, so working on that, um, and just looking really forward to producing a lot more content uh, as we go forward. Um, I love the conversations in camps. So, can you tell me a bit about how you actually facilitate those conversations? Like, how do they how do they how are they actually run? What's what's it sort of look and feel like? Sure. Well, we base it around adventure. I, I used to run, uh, I was the CEO of South Africa's Outward Bound um, School, which uses adventure-based activities. So you, you use stuff that's quite scary, you know, abseiling, canoeing down rapids, you know, solo events at night. Um, and, and that you know, that's fantastic because, I mean, you're out, out of your comfort zone in nature. And when you do that with a bunch of guys, you, know, you develop quite a bond. So 
So we mix the adventure activities with fireside type chats, you know, with smaller groups. We divide them into smaller groups and um, facilitated by men who are just really good at telling their stories and just getting other, you know, creating a safe space for other men to tell their stories. So it's a combination of, you know, macho and tender and, you know, adventurous and scary and, and, and touching and moving. And then we bring the six pack in, you know, we talk about the six virtues that make a man a good man. Um, and it's just a great weekend. Fantastic. I love it. I want to come on one of the camps. Um, I, I've actually been <laughs> thinking, <very> welcome. <laughs> thanks Craig. Uh, I've actually been thinking a lot about sort of rites of passage as well and sort of how, how we in certainly our community can start building that around for our, uh, yeah, our children, not just our boys, our girls as well. And I think that's Beautiful. something that definitely is missing from our modern day society. And, and it's quite exciting. Like when you, you see, hear about some of the amazing programs such as your own, um, that are doing these things really well, but the benefits that come from that, the kids are just like, they're changed people. Like all of a sudden it's, yeah. they're, they're often racing. It's almost like they've metamorphosed into, um, you know, they've had, they've given themselves permission to, to, to update and change and, and, and carry themselves in a different way completely. And I think there's something magical about that. One of the... Uh, so, so, so magical, just to, to, to add, jump in there, you know, what's happening with kids nowadays growing up is it's too easy. And parents are coddling their kids. So, you know, I mean, you've had these things just, you know, just for pitching up, you get an award, never mind for any kind of performance, you know. And, and that's nonsense because, you know, and, and rites of passage is very good, uh, particularly when the ones involving boys throughout history. You've had to prove yourself. You've had to actually do something that's tough and, and difficult. Even gnarly and gnarly in the old days, isn't it? Like gnarly. Yeah. I mean, really, I mean, I, mean, I, I saw the other one the other day, I think in Kenya or something, the custom was you had to. You, you had to place a stone on the back of a rhino <laughs> to get out of there alive, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. But, you know, the point about that is I'm not recommending that necessarily, but the point is <laughs> you actually do something, perform, and you have a sense of achievement. Yeah. You don't just, you know, you, you don't just give in it because you, you know. So, I mean, growing up and you, you spend your whole life on social media, so, you know, where's, where's the real sense of I am somebody who's accomplished something, who's capable of something, and I'm getting rewarded for that? Yeah. So I think the right to passage is crucial. You know, boys looking to men, older men, to model masculinity to them and impart it to them and show them that, you know, life's not a bed of roses. Life is life can be brutal. I mean, you and I both know that. I mean, life, no one escapes <laughs> struggle. You know, life yeah. is brutal. Uh, and for women, young girls to look to, to a community of women to model femininity, what womanhood means to them, but both moms and dads giving to both sons and daughters and older men and older women, you know, you know the, the co-creation of, men and women working together. It's just a beautiful, beautiful uh, system that, that, that we need to restore, I think. Yeah. And I, I th that word of co-creation as well, I, I love the idea as well. You've got multi-generational. So you've got the, the sort of the uncles, the aunts, the, the grandparents, all sort of contributing to, to steering the, the, the growth and development of our young and, and sort of shepherding through them through that time when, when they naturally sort of want to extricate themselves from their parents anyway i mean did you experience any of that like when your kids were growing up where they you know they naturally want to actually step out from from the family and and prove themselves like, what was it actually like i mean you, you, your kids are a bit older than mine i've got this to come <laughs> very much so i mean a lot of people say i think you know from around 12 13 uh, the peer group becomes hugely important uh, you know, as a, as a father, you suddenly know nothing. Your, your friends know everything. And, uh, <laughs> but, but it's true. So, I mean, that's so important to have the right peer group and the right environment for your kids to be in. But I think for me, what happened, and I was very fortunate 
the, the deeper and the closer the relationship you have with your kids from years 0 to 12, 13, when that teenage years start, the, the less they are going to pull away from you, you know, the less likely they are. And, and you know, you've, you've forged such a beautiful, you know, you are the hero in their lives, you know, from those, in those early years. You know, you, 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 the mom and the dad are the most important man and woman in their lives. And if you use it well and, and, and engage deeply and have a beautiful, um, intimate, close, trusting relationship with your kids, you know, there will be those turbulent years, but they're, they're, they're far less likely to be traumatic where they, where they disrespect you and pull away because there's such a beautiful bond that's built up over the years. So it's not inevitable that your teenager is going to hate you. It certainly isn't. You know, it's not, it may, and, and of course, there are no guarantees. You get fantastic kids coming out of very bad parenting and you get very poor kids coming out of good parenting. It, it happens, but it's, it's the exception rather than the norm. Yeah. What would be your advice to yourself, like when it came to building that solid relationship with your son and your daughter? Like, what were the things that you think you did well, and what were the, what do you think would be the gentle advice that you'd get from your kids as to how you could have done it better? <laughs> I, I, I'll tell a quick story that that highlights. One day we were talking. I don't. My kids were teenagers, I think, and we were talking about uh, clothes and people's favorite outfits. And my daughter said to me, "Dad, my favorite outfit of yours is." Your slippers and your and your tracksuit pants, and that and I said why, and she said because that means you're not going out, you're not going anywhere, you know, and and it was very touching because, my, you know, for me the two most important words in a dad's dictionary are be there, be there, and be there. and and that means be engaged, you know, don't be there and on your phone or be there distracted. So I think uh, you know I, I, advice I give myself is is be there more. Go out, you know, uh, you know, just be there with them, for them, engaging with them, listening to them, chatting to them, playing games with them. You know, uh, you know, how many times you see families hanging out, but they're not really hanging out. They're all on their cell phones. You know, they're not. Yeah. So, so for me, the most important thing is be there. You know, the greatest thing that they want at that age is you, your presence, your affirmation, your your laughter, your uh, you know, your your hugs, just you engaging deeply, intimately, properly. And dinner conversations, you know, where there's no cell phones, you're just really truly engaging. Because later on, they're going to not want to do that. They're going to want to talk to their friends and go, you know. But if you build that, I think that's the best thing you can do as a, as a father to young kids. Yeah, I think there's quite a lot of evidence that sort of indicates uh, that you know fathers, especially paying a lot more attention to their daughters in those formative years, actually build a, a stronger sense of of self-worth in their daughters so not looking for external validation as much whereas if the dads are always busy you know they don't get much time with them it you know it's sort of they're sort of left out and you know don't get the attention so um ah, it's uh it's it's not easy but it but it is all in the same breath um there was absolutely one of my friends actually the story that he recounted was when he he went into foster care and um, he, he'd come from a terrible home. He actually went into foster care before, um, you know, his parents hadn't died. They were just really negligent. And um, so he went into foster care and the foster parents were sort of in their 60s, I think. And, and his best memory of them was he would come in and they would be sat, you know, in the couch reading a book or something. I think they were both teachers. And, um, and they would just both put the books down and just look up at him as if say we're here you know what do you what do you want to talk about and and just having making that space for him he said it was just so refreshing just like oh wow these guys are here for me 
this is this is what I need and and yeah it's really helped him turn a corner and become you know an amazing guy it's a beautiful story that I mean what they're saying to him is you're worth it yeah your life matters we're here for you the, the messages implicit in that are just so profoundly beautiful and there's so many of them yeah. And look what it's done for him. You know, it's validated him. You know, it's beautiful. Yeah, validated without the words, because it's so easy yeah. to say, "Oh, you're wonderful." You know, all that sort of yeah. stuff. But we're we're looking at our phone, and and that must must it just sends the wrong message. And I'm I'm so guilty of it sometimes. And I pull myself up and go, "Oh man, it's you know." Work is the hardest thing to balance, especially when you're at home. And, you know, I've had my son go, oh, dad, can you just do this? And I'm I'm either just in a meeting or something. And it's one of the things I, I actually hate the most, having to say, no, no, I, I can't do that now. But several times over during a day, because he doesn't yeah. have the sense of time yet. And, it, and so he's like, but you said you would. I said, yeah, but it's not quite there yet. See, when the clock gets to there, that's... And, and he looks at the clock and he's going, oh, that's just talking mumbo-jumbo yeah. here. Like, I just want to play with him now. And, and it's the hardest yeah. thing. And I think that yeah. idea of being present, but you're not present, I think that really cuts deep. So actually then paying attention and making sure you are present afterwards is so important. Yeah. And absolutely crucial biggest gift you can give them yeah now um i i really love like what you've done obviously with father and nation you've got so many people that have you know put wonderful sort of um what do you call it like, not not reviews but but um uh stories of of how it's changed yeah. their lives and so on and i, I love the pledge that you actually you sort of you and the team have designed um can you talk us through the 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 pledges that the you know the guys go through there are a few different ones you know uh i, I mean a pledge is an interesting thing it's just it's just a, it's a vocalization of what you uh, an intention you know uh, it's a starting point you know you, you can take a beautiful pledge and then go home and just be <laughs> you know means nothing to you but there's something powerful about a bunch of guys getting together and say we pledge it's, it's, a mean, big, it's a big word be. like it's it's a word that yeah, we yeah. you shouldn't i mean isn't used lightly because we just we don't use yeah. it in everyday language because how many people say i pledge to get that thing done or i pledge yes. no, no, it's, no, no. it's it's exactly. it's, it's yeah. big stakes yeah it is big stakes. well and, and you can see it in the world i mean I, I, it used to be a man's word is his bond you said it you did it you know no it's not you know you need contracts and not even a handshake is enough you know you, you can't rely on that so uh it's it's important i mean that's one of the crucial character traits of, of masculinity going back to being a man of your word you know like you said with your son you know you say at six o'clock daddy will be available you know? and then six o'clock comes you need to be available because yeah. otherwise what happens is you know they start mistrusting your word it's the same as discipline you know parents discipline is so crucial to do what you say you would do so if you say if you do that i'm going to ground you then they do it and you don't ground them um you've lost credibility because they can play you now, you know, yeah. what dad says is not serious. So pledging is, is, is a, is a very powerful thing to do. Totally. Yeah. And I, I mean, I love the, the, the father pledge, you know, I, I, I've just got it right here, you know, to truly see your children, to discover the essence of who they are, to help your children discover their unique identity, to engage, affirm, love, bless, nurture, protect. It's everything that we inherently want to do, but just verbalizing it and putting down in words is really, I, I think, it has power to it. And it's the sort of thing that 
I, th- I think would be really useful for every guy to go through when he when he has his firstborn child. Like I could, yeah. you know, it's wonderful what you're doing, obviously, with the Father Nation program. But you know, I see this like just having ramifications and and potential for going much broader than just South Africa, and 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 that's what you're actually doing as well with the online courses, isn't it, Craig? It is indeed. Yeah, I mean that that, that pledge you you mentioned there encapsulates. So the first book I wrote talked about the twelve dad verbs. You know, just the the, the, the the 12 things that every dad needs to do to be a great dad. And you mentioned in the event, the nurture, the see, the love, protect. Uh, and absolutely, we've, we've converted that into an online course, you know, which is available. And, and yeah, it, it is starting to gain a bit of traction around the world. You know, we call it the ultimate dad course. And it's really, it's, it's more, about, you know, it talks about the parallel journey. You know, becoming the man that your kids need you to be at the same time as learning techniques on how to father them well. Um, yeah, so thank you for your kind words. I mean, it's, it's, it, I, like you, I'm passionate about fatherhood because I think, strangely enough, I think mothering is more instinctive than fathering in some ways. You know, the mom bonds with the child in the womb for nine months. The child is born. It's almost an extension of what's happened in the nurture. But uh, fathers are often, you know, historically too, have been left out of that process. I mean, our fathers didn't even attend the birth. You know, it wasn't the right thing society, to do. Society but, sort of didn't want it almost. It, it sort of kept us separate for so long. In, in many ways, you know. And now that father's becoming a lot more in the, in the spotlight. I mean, the stats are just so clear, you know. Uh, you know, absent fathers, abusive fathers, fathers are there but not there. The, the, the statistics correlating that to every social ill are just – undeniable you know prison sentences rape early childhood pregnancy dropouts drug abuse you know self-esteem issues it's just so it's such an important role and, and you know anyway we we can help dads to be better fathers i mean i think it's just very worthy work and, and, and hats off to you for the work you're doing in that area too uh, I mean, to be honest, I started out and I was looking for hacks. I, I was looking for, uh, give me some tips and tricks to, to make, help me get through the day. This is hard stuff. But, you know, I've really realized over, the, you know, a very short period of time, just the, the biggest thing I've got to work on is myself. Like it's 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 the inward journey that's the yeah. the, the the biggest part. Like you say, that parallel journey uh, of yeah. fatherhood. That's and but the, but that's the big adventure. And you realise that there's there's such a richness and and it's so fulfilling because of that. I think you know it's you, you, you're trying to become a much better person to show up for them. Uh, and it's you know you have all all the benefits uh, as uh, add-ons as well. Well, it's the greatest inspiration to be the best version of yourself possible, having kids. Yeah. Because they need you. They need you not just to provide you know, a roof over their heads and an education and food. They need you. They need you to be your best because that, by being your best, you're going to impart to them the best for them. And, and that's, that's just, just as simple as that. Yeah. And I, I must admit, I, um, I had a friend who used to be – he used to talk about the way he was very deliberate in his life. And I always used to think, oh, man, he puts too much effort, too much thought into all this stuff. Like, just relax, just chill. And this wasn't fatherhood. This is everything. He would go down to the nth degree and just plan things out and really think things through before even starting. But I kind of think that with fatherhood, it really does help if you put a bit of thought up front and, and, and actually be more deliberate. And I think, you know, Typically in society, like you say, we, we tend not to talk to other guys about stuff. And, um, and, and actually, I had a friend who ran uh, rites of passages, and he would actually, they would get a fresh father, 
to actually, or a, a, a soon-to-be father, and actually get him to write a letter to his soon-to-be child and read it out to the other guys around the campfire. And I think even just that small activity of deliberate thinking and, oh, wow, I'm committing to something here. It's, it goes back to that pledge, you know, but that sort of sets that tone and that, that sort of touchstone of, oh, yeah, this is who, this is who I want to be in this moment yeah. when I'm with these people. And um, I think it's, it's really powerful. It's intentionality, isn't it, Richard? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's about I mean, I'm, I'm intentionally choosing and deliberately working towards being the best version of myself and the best dad I can. And I mean, there's only benefits to that. There's, there's only an upside. Yeah. <laughs> there's no downside to that. Yeah, yeah. You're not going to regret giving it your best effort. <laughs> but um, no, no. What, I mean, what do you see as the, the potentials on a, on a national scale? Because I mean, you talk about the you know, gender-based violence and, and all that sort of stuff. And it seems like South Africa is, you know, it has had so many woes. And, and what you're doing is incredible. What, what do you see as like the, the nirvana of where this could lead? Yeah, well, I, I, I honestly think that in the top three challenges that South Africa has, fatherlessness is, is there. And uh, the nirvana would be if we can mobilize uh, a society of men, and I'm talking men in parliament, men in business, men in parastatals, men in communities, to, be, to pursue being an excellent man who makes the world a better place, who uses their strength for good. You know, if this can, if this culture can spread around. You know, Australia, I'll never forget, Australia, years and years ago, I've got cousins, a lot of cousins in Australia. And many, many years back, I mean, uh, probably 20 years back, I, I was there visiting my cousins. And I, I remember thinking, because in South Africa, the, the culture of drinking and driving was huge. People would drink and drive. You know, and you'd almost boast about it. Gee, I don't know how I got home last night in my car. But Australia had managed to change that totally, where it was uncool to drink and drive. It was just not, you just didn't do it. My cousin actually did get caught drinking driving. He got in, and the process he went through was showing him videos and stuff of the carnage cause, you know, the trauma. But Australia had done very well with social messaging and cultural transformation to make it not cool to drink and drive. And I think for me, if, if we can do that in South Africa, make it not cool to be a bad father, not cool to be a bad man, not cool to ever misuse your strength, you know, where we can begin to really change culture. And it, and it, it starts from the, the top down. And the bottom up, you know, leaders in all spheres of life saying, this is what it means to be a man. And we can really model that and, and uh, internalize that. I think we can, we can create an organic transformation of a society. Yeah. How's that for a lofty goal? That's, uh, it's out there, Craig, but hey, I'm all in. I think it's, uh, it's uh, totally worthy. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's a great way and great place to land this. I think, well, we better get going because there's a ton of work to do, Craig. So, um, yeah, yeah, no, but yeah, um, yeah. I mean, you are doing fantastic work. How can people find you and, and what, what can they do to help? Well, uh, all the information is on, on our website, you know, craigwilco.com, www.craigwilco.com. The resources are there, the online courses, the books. Uh, and, you know, by all means, reach out to me, Craig at goodwilco.com. Uh, I'd be very happy to engage. Oh, that's wonderful, Craig. And uh, I just want to thank you for all the, the great work you're doing because it, it's marvelous, you know, for for what you've managed to achieve in a relatively short amount of time it is phenomenal. And if we can keep sort of pushing and spreading the word and, and inspire other people to do similar, I think uh, we can truly achieve some transformational change. 
Awesome. Thanks, Rich. And, and right back at you, man. You're doing great stuff. And uh, may you grow from strength to strength and size to size. Well, I hope you enjoyed this discussion with Craig. If you'd like to catch up with Craig, you can visit craigwilco.com or check out more links on the podcast show notes. If you're enjoying the podcast and would like to support it, the best way to help is to share an episode with someone you think would also enjoy it. Also, if you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts, that's super helpful too. Anyway, until we meet again, hang on in there. Hope you have a great rest of your day. And as ever, enjoy your caffeinated beverage. (laughs) 